1967, a Ford Falcon won the annual Bathurst Touring Car Race. It was the first V8 to win the long-distance event. While the next two races were won by the two-door Holden Commodore Coupe, Ford bounced back with the GTHO in 1971. Ford also went with a two-door Coupe in 1973 and 74, but the 1967 race signalled the emergence of powerful four-door sedans built in Australia that would come to dominate the Bathurst 1000 and ultimately lead to the current V8 Supercar Championship. It has been a long time since Holden and Ford produced coupes in Australia, but the Commodore and the Falcon still have powerful four-door variants. Now, luxury car makers also produce four-door rocket ships. Think of Mercedes-AMG models, BMW M cars, and any Audi with the RS designation. Recently, I took a Lexus GSF to a presentation I had to give. Its power, looks and potential performance surprised those who attended. Our motoring journalist friend Alan Zervis from gaycarboys.com.au has also driven the car and he joins us to talk about what it's like and how it fits into the market. Alan, thanks very much for your time. You're welcome, David. Now, we're talking here a fair amount of horsepower. We are, yeah. It's, uh, and it's a stunning car. It's amazing to think that something with... 351 kilowatts can be so big and so agile. 351 kilowatts, back in 1967, the first Falcon V8, the Wind Bathurst, had 168. And, and, and by the way, this is not uh, big technology with turbocharging. It's a normally aspirated 5-litre V8, which pretty well what the old Falcon was anyway. That's right. So they've got the engine from uh, the same engine that they've used in the RCF, which is the uh, two-door coupe, their newish two-door coupe, which is a slightly reworked version of the old V8 that they had in the ISF, which was introduced a few years ago and uh, I think it ran for about five or six years. There's a lot to be said for a a car that produces 350-odd kilowatts out of five litres. Imagine what it would do with a supercharger or a turbo. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? The nice thing about not relying on a turbo is you don't get any turbo lag. You really do get the power instantaneously when you put your foot on the accelerator. That's right. Uh, Well, someone made a comment uh, recently that, uh, of course, you don't have that problem with superchargers. And I'd been to a, um, a presentation not very long before that when the uh, engineer pointed out that superchargers can rob as much as 20 to 25% from the power of the natural engine in the car oh. before it adds whatever it's going to add to it. So I thought that was an interesting observation. The reason you get turbo lag is, of course, that the turbocharge is driven by the exhaust, the Correct. force of the exhaust going through the exhaust pipe. And, of course, that doesn't really build up until you get your power, you know, the revs going. So it's a little bit of chicken and the egg. That's right, whereas a supercharger, of course, is operated by a belt and pulley. Mm. So that impeller is always spinning. But, of course, anything that puts a belt on an engine drains it of power. So that's why a lot of the steering now, most of the steering now is electric. So it only activates when you want to turn the wheel. Now, the thing about the GSF Lexus that I had was that the colour, the orange colour, really turned heads. Were you impressed by it? I loved it. I loved it. It's a little bit retro, and in fact, the RCF that I had was exactly the same colour. It's not metallic, 
which I quite like. I'm not all that fussed on metallic paint. And um, people did look, I mean, they can hear it as well, but people did look and uh, they commented on the colour. I'll talk about the design a little bit, but just still on colour, it is a bit retro. I thought back to the 70s and plum dinger purple with the Tirana. That's right. Candy apple green, perhaps not quite that strong, but certainly the Lexus had, it was a very strong, distinctive colour. Absolutely, and I think that a car like that needs a strong, distinctive colour. It needs to be that orange. I attended the launch of that car in Adelaide. They had other colours there, which, uh, although they looked fabulous, they had the same wheels, obviously, and, and the same decals, it didn't look quite as mean. No, there's that whole image of a little bit in your face. I'm going to be strong. We road tested the V8 Commodore uh, station wagon the other day with our friend Paul Morell and he said that if you don't want people to look at you, the exhaust sound of this car is not the thing you want. The exhaust did it and colour can do it as well. The Lexus at the front has a very strong front nose including those little running lights under the main headlights that look like a Nike swish. I remember speaking to one of the Lexus management uh, several years ago and uh, they made a comment which had never occurred to me before that there's a lot of L's for Lexus in that design and it's intentional or so uh, around the windows and the lights also in the bodywork outside the lights Uh, and now of course all I can see when I look at a Lexus is L all over the place. I hadn't thought of that. Now the price, uh, recommended retail price? It's around 150000 I think, isn't it? And by the time you get on the road, it'll be about 162. So you yeah. are paying for the privilege. Is it plush luxury inside, for example? I love the inside. I, I, I think Lexus do a very, very nice interior. It's uh, beautifully finished, very thoughtfully conceived. Though I have commented before that I'm not terribly impressed with the input for the infotainment system. Uh, some Lexuses have a a joystick and some have a uh, like a mouse pad uh, both of them are too sensitive in my view oh yes the mouse pad which you just want to move you've got five or six buttons that you want to move across and get button number four you end up at six before you've breathed on it and then of course it's making that annoying bong noise every time you hit something you know, there are, there are times, you, you know, you just want to turn the engine off and say, this can be five minutes of quiet, please. You can turn that off, of course, and that's one of the first things I do when I get a Lexus. But Lexus is aiming itself at BMW, Mercedes and Audi, perhaps even Jaguar to, to a degree. So they've uh, been quite shameless in, and ruthless in their pursuit of an impeccable interior beautiful stitching and quality leather, quality fabrics. And if something looks like wood, it's wood. The other thing is that the dashboard is now becoming more digitised, even to the point that the red band on the tachometer would normally be around 7,000 revs per minute, which is fantastic. But when Mm. you get in the car and it's cold, the red band drops to about four. That's right. It doesn't take long to warm up. It's just an example of where technology is going, but uh, you do have that disbenefit of being more complex that if you want to change something, you've almost got to get the manual out. You've got to be looking in detail as to where do I go and how do I change something, for your point about the, the bonging noise. A lot of menu systems in cars now 
work in a similar way. And in order to go and change something, you've got a broad idea of where it is if you use these things all the time. A buyer, of course, would need to spend several weeks experimenting and, uh, and consulting in the user guide. Mm. But I think on the whole, the first of these systems, which was the BMW iDrive, you might remember from that 7 Series, we didn't like it. We didn't like it at all. And now we complain if it doesn't have it. It works both ways. The fact that we're getting used to it and expect it, but also in many cases, although the the Lexus is oversensitive, it's still a great chance of them developing it and making it simpler or making it more consistent with what you're aware of and what you use almost on your PC at home. That's right. And, of course, uh, now with a a lot of... uh car companies are putting Apple CarPlay and Android Auto into their infotainment system. So you plug your phone in and the display in the car becomes an extension of your phone, which then allows even easier navigation and uh, messaging and so forth. You and I should talk more about this on another occasion, but I think that's going to be pivotal, particularly as we get to renting cars more than we do now. So I will hop in what could be a different car this week to the one last week. And I don't mean renting through the usual processes. I'm talking about community renting a go-car and things like that. So when you get in there, you and I have the problem that every week it's different. And to some degree, the more commonality, which will come through our phones linking to it, rather than necessarily what they provide in the base model. Exactly right, and more importantly, you don't have to learn how to use, uh, use a new technology every time you get into a car. You just get into one rental car and you plug your phone in and there is all your stuff. If you would like to go from wherever you are to home, you just press the voice button and uh, say, Siri, take me home, and it does. A lot of features in the GSF. It's uh, well appointed. It is. It feels luxurious, and I have to say that although $150,000 is a lot of money, that's the kind of car where, the, where you either have that money or you don't. Yeah. So not optioning a slightly more expensive set of alloys won't make any difference to the, to the price to the buyer because you've either got 150k or you don't. The cars it's competing with, the Audi S, RS. BMW M5, yeah, the RS, uh, the, even the Commodore, well, the Commodore would be cheaper, the, well, the HSV version of it, Jaguar XFS, I haven't driven one of those, but I think you have. I'm going to drive one in the near future. Yeah, none of those are going to be bargain basement priced. No, and more importantly, something that I've noticed with all of the Europeans, Jaguar included, is they've got an incredibly extensive list of um, personalization options, which is the way they like to say we can try and get more money out of you. So, uh, And they'll put them into packages. Uh, you upgrade the sound system, for example, in a Jag, and that's uh, 12 grand, which uh, that's a lot of money. If you did it in your house, you would be thinking pretty hard about value for money, wouldn't you? I would. Absolutely, you would. And the, the worst part about on the subject of that Jaguar um, upgrade is that the Meridian system, the Meridian speakers don't work with the current audio system. They've got to use the old one, so it's a bit slower and a bit more uh, cantankerous. Ah, the problems of advanced technology and bringing it to the market. Of course, Alan, you did go to the launch, and at that time you managed to be driven around a racetrack with, of someone of significance. I did. I didn't recognise him uh, at first, but the great F1 Australian racing legend Alan Jones was present. He's a Lexus ambassador. 
I've never experienced anything like it before. I've never been on a track with an F1 driver. And obviously, he has many, many, many years' experience, but he seems to have no fear. Absolutely none. That racetrack is his lounge room. And some of the corners, he was holding on with sheer muscle, something you just don't expect of a, of a man around 70. He's also responsible for almost all of the kilometres on uh, Lexus's LFA, which they kept back, you might remember that supercar, about uh, six or seven years ago. Lexus Australia has one of those in their secret location in Caringbar, just on Captain Cook Drive. It's a beautiful thing. And a lot of that technology was carried off, off uh, into the um, uh, GSF. And uh, Alan Jones had glowing things to say about both that LSA and the GSF. The LSA, I sat in it in a motor show on the press day and interviewed our friend Brent Davidson about the car. So it has a sentimental value to me. But the, the sheer energy and aggression that a top race driver puts into a, a, a car when they drive it is astounding isn't it absolutely we had to, it was a very hot day in adelaide that uh, weather then came across to sydney a few days later i think it was in the 40s in the low 40s and uh, so we had the air conditioning going full bore um i don't doubt for a moment that uh, alan jones turned off the uh, traction control and so forth, uh, something I would never do <laughs> on a, a car with uh, 351 kilowatts. But he made the most of the track, he made the most of the day, and even with the air conditioning on, obviously, if he was doing this in a race, there's no air conditioning. Even with the air conditioning off, uh, uh, on, there were you know, beads of sweat uh, from his concentration. He was He was completely focused, but still quite uh, happily answering questions both about the car and about his career. He even had a moment to chat about his wife and child, or children. I once went around a showground in a guy that put cars up on two wheels, and while we were up on two wheels, I might note I was on the high side, <laughs> he, he readily chatted away, looked, said, oh, look at the crowd, yeah, wave to the crowd, you know, top to one, and there we were on two wheels. The way these people can process information and multitask is amazing. And well, indeed, I said that uh, to Alan. You make this look easy. It's an unbelievable thing to, to watch someone do. And we got to the end of our, it was only a single lap, uh, but he'd been with us for the whole day. And I got, I went to get out of the car, and I, re I was feeling fairly calm, but my heart was going. And uh, I got out to realise that my legs had completely turned to jelly. It was all I could do not to not to collapse, and I had to go and, and into the uh, air-conditioned room near the track and uh, have a quiet sit-down. But, uh, you know, it, it was rewarding, and I, I think the thing that we have to keep in mind is that a lot of people would love the chance to be in a, uh, a beautiful hot car, a hot luxury car, with someone like Alan Jones, or indeed any F1 driver, but Alan Jones is a, has a particular place in our hearts. Alan, you know, I always love to have our chats. Thank you very much for your time. No problem. Thanks, David. And there's our motoring journalist, Alan Zervis, from gaycarboys.com.au. We were talking about the Lexus GSF 5-litre V8 in many ways in the traditional sense, but with a lot of modern technology.